the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This week we continue our series on God's character. Today Dave looks into God's grace. The main reading is Romans chapter 5. Spurgeon said this, the highest to study God is the greatest thing and the most important thing, he says. Um, the high, this is how he describes it. He was only 20 when he wrote this. <laughs> Amazing. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God who he calls his Father. But while this subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods through this narrow globe. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and of him crucified and of the knowledge of the Godhead in the glorious Trinity. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation into the great subject of the deity of God. Or that we will be humbled and expanded. Ah, bless God. That's, you see, why we examine who God is. We re- realize who we are, who our God is, and it exp- brings us down. Of course, it brings us into a good position, but it expands God, how great God is. Of course, right back uh, with Moses, he reveals himself at the bush, remember, as the eternal, self-existent one. Um, then down, when he comes down on Sinai, he reveals himself as the terrible one. Remember, <laughs> the, the place is shaking. Because he's awesome. And uh, they said, oh, no, 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 no. He says, stay away a minute now. He said, because you're going to come, you're going to come rightly. Um, then the act of pardoning um, of who the Lord is, what he's done. Uh, we read this particular passage we've been looking at the last few weeks. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of So this second statement, we've done compassion, we've done hesed, God, the compassion, the gracious one. And of course, uh, the Bible's very clear about grace, isn't it? Um, it can be misunderstood, it can be missed, um, it's been fought over, hasn't it? With the, uh, the, if, you, if you know anything about church history, the Catholics didn't like grace so much because uh, grace means it's gifted from God. You haven't got to earn it, you can't pay for it which obviously they like to sell it, and, and all those things. Um, and, of course, we've got to be careful that we don't uh, receive it superficially, we don't under- that we don't understand it. Um, a man called J.A. Parker wrote a book, Knowing God, pretty good book. He said, the trouble is when we don't understand grace fully, we misuse it, we misunderstand it, and we don't receive it as we should, and we don't stand in awe of it. Um, thankfully, even right back in the Old Testament, we see... Grace uh, being revealed. Grace in the Old Testament is pretty similar. Favor of God, um, the delight of God, the graciousness of God. 
uh, shown to us. Let's read, um, uh, of course, we, we first found in Noah. The Bible says Noah found grace in the, in the sight of God. What about Jacob? Now, Jacob needed grace, didn't he? Because Jacob was a sneaky snake. Um, even ripping his brother off twice. Um, but thankfully, uh, the Lord has a way of dealing with us, doesn't he? He, he runs away, goes to his, his uncle, Laban. or oh, obviously it's genetic, wasn't it, by the sound of it, because Laban was a bigger snake than him. Um, and ripped him off. And uh, is it, did he say to Laban, ten times you changed my wages? Ten, something like ten times. So he was a bit of a, uh, and the Lord dealt with him. And now he's coming back. Because the Lord, he's, he's, that Lord's asking him to go back. He's coming back. And um, he realizes, Lord, if Esau is true to his word, I'm going to be in trouble. Um, but you know what? He understands that he's had an encounter with the grace of God. He doesn't deserve it. He hasn't earned it. It's unexpected. But let's read some verses. Well, Genesis 33, uh, verse 5 and 11. Then he saw up there and saw the women and children. Who are these with you, he asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given his servant. No heaven's mother. Please help. Please accept the presence that was brought to you. For God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. And because Jacob has insisted, he so accepted. So he's received, he understands that he knows where he's been, doesn't he? Jacob, and uh, now uh, the grace of God. Sorry, uh, I wanted verse 8 as well. I didn't write it down. Because he's all, he does not just receive grace. Now, what does he ask from Esau? Can I find grace in you? Because he knows that he doesn't deserve it from Esau. He's ripped him off. And Esau would have the right to give him a good pounding. I don't know about killing him. is a bit strong, but a good pounding. But verse 8, this is what, this is his call. Esau asked, what do you mean by all these to find grace in your eyes. That's his appeal. When Esther goes before King Xerxes, what does she say? Lord, I can be. Can I have favor? Can I find grace in your sight? Remember, she could, didn't. She shouldn't have been there. Uh, only when she was invited. Oh, what a king! Power of that king, isn't it? You, you do as you're told. But she appealed to his grace. Why? Because the Bible calls the God of grace. This is the gospel of grace. Um, there was a, a big convention many years ago uh, of all religions, and they were trying to decide what was similar with all religions and what was different from all religions. And uh, there was quite a bit of a kerfuffle going on. I don't know why C.S. Lee was, was, was not there, but he was passing. I don't know what happened, but he, he came in and said, what's all the kerfuffle? They said, well, we're trying to find the similar. And what is the difference between all religions and between Christianity? He said, well, I tell you, that's very easy. He says, it's grace. It's grace. See, the Buddhists have got their eightfold path to whatever they want to go. Um, Hindu doctrine is karma, isn't it? Jews have a covenant to keep. Muslims have their code of law. But the Bible tells us, without the grace of God, we are lost and doomed. Um, thankfully, God is the God of grace. Uh, and of course, again, as we said, all these characteristics of God 
are found fully in Christ. They're not just something that we can understand from the Old Testament, but when we see Jesus, we call it again, we said, we said, the personification, someone who, who inhabits and shows all these characteristics. So if we want to understand what grace is, we see and we look at Jesus. John 1, uh, 14 to 17. Jesus testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he for whom I said, Who comes after me has passed me, and is he before me? From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the Lord was given to Moses, grace and truth came in Jesus Christ. Jesus, full of grace and truth. Not one without the other, thankfully. Full of grace and truth. Jesus. What about this verse? 2 uh, Corinthians 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. There's the grace of God. Rich became poor, so we who are poor can become rich in God. Unmerited, undeserved favor of God, act of mercy freely given, freely given to us, privilege, concession, which we did not deserve earn. Ah, divine generosity, bless the Lord. Divine magnanimity, amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, so Paul, again, we thankfully he gives us his testimony, doesn't he, Paul? It tells us exactly what it meant to him. And what it meant without it as well. 1, P 1 Timothy 1. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, for to me into the ministry, who was before blasphemer and persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in his unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is what I was, he said. And he was, he, he was open, a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, and a, quite a nasty piece of work, I think, by the son of it, Paul, wasn't he? Um, they say he was short, and those short people generally got a bit of a, bit of a something about him, didn't they? Anyway, but the Bible said this great was poured on me abundantly. Abundantly. What a change. Now, you see, to understand grace fully, we need to understand a number of things. First of all, God is not a big man or a magnification of what we think we are. That's a real misconception we have. Um, now, of course, we're made in Christ's image and, God, and God's image, but remember how far we have gone from that with sin. First thing we've got to remember, we are sinners, fallen from God's image, um, rebels against God's rule, guilty before him, unclean before holy God, deserving judgment and hell. That's the first thing we've got to remember. And we so often forget, don't we? We say, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not too bad. I'm and of course, the world will tell us that. And, that, and that's, no, this is what we are before God. Number two, 
God is righteous and uh, brings justice to sin. He does not overlook. He doesn't turn a blind eye. He's not tolerant towards sin because he sees the evil and the danger and the problems it causes. It is, it is very interesting that as our, our nation becomes godless, our laws and our penal system becomes weak and impotent and tolerant. So you can kill someone today and, uh, give, and be out in 12 years, give or take. What? Are we serious? You can take the life of someone else and then come out and live your life See, that's not, that's, that's not godliness. That's weak tolerance where we, we, we just go f- so far from God. True to his character, God is righteous, and he brings retributive justice to sin. Remember also that we are ultimately impotent. As a man, we cannot do anything, say anything, offer anything to bring back our relationship with God. That broken relationship with God, we can do nothing about it at all. Whatever we do say or offer will mean nothing to that. The Bible says, while we were weak, while we were sinners, while we were far off, ungodly, Christ died for us, of course. Also, remember, out of his sovereign freedom, he chooses to be gracious to us. Remember that? He's free not to be gracious, if he wanted to be, but he's free to be gracious. See, that's why John Newton said amazing grace. Because when you understand who we are, understand who he is, yet he comes and picks us up as his children, it is amazing. And you know what? When we don't understand it, we misuse it, we misunderstand it. And of course, it's always been misused. Um, and we'll see what it produces, what real grace produces in life. Well, uh, even in those days, we have what we call hyper grace today. Oh, it doesn't matter what you do. God is graceful. Paul dealt with that before, didn't he? You say, sin abounds grace. You can sin because grace abounds. He said, how stupid are you, he said. Don't be so soft, he said. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, God's grace over, overrides everything if we receive it. But it doesn't give it, uh, you know, the power to do the option to go and do that. So grace upon grace, when we fully understand, it's nothing, we are real, totally reliant upon it. Let's read these verses. A little bit long, but it, it, it just sums up the gospel. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Not by works, so that no one can boast. 
For we are God's revolution, created in Christ Jesus in the world. Just, just to meditate on that alone. Grace, grace, grace. We didn't deserve it. We were doing it. We were dead. So when you're dead, can you help yourself? No. You ain't doing anything here. You're dead. And that's the, the power of grace. And when we understand it, and of course then it says the grace, what happens then, it, it, when we receive it, it shows, it reflects. What does the Bible say? He will show his incomparable grace through us. Through us. And uh, we maybe just look at that in a moment. The grace of God. Ephesians, uh, Romans 3, 22, 24. Even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, there is no difference for all the sin and for short of the glory of God. It's quite clear. All have sinned, yet all are justified freely by the grace in Christ Jesus. Amazing. Listen to these verses. I love Titus. It's very clear to Titus. Uh, Titus 3, 4 to 7. Titus 3, 4 to 7. When the kindness and love of our God Savior appears, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth, or of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, who he poured out generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. There we are again, very clear. That it's good again to just dwell on that. Um, and of course, the longer we've been in church, sometimes we, we forget. Don't we? We get complacent understanding because we're pretty good now. We, we've been in church a long time. We forget, don't we? Grace, without grace, we are lost. We are lost. Um, the epitaph on John Newton's uh, tomb read this. John Newton, Clark, once an infidel, a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord, Je Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. So he understood. That's why he could say amazing grace. Undeserved, unmerited, unexpected, yet given. Given. That is the difference uh, between Christianity and everything else. Every cult will say, well, we've got to do this, this, and this, and this. But the Lord says, what you've got to do is receive. Receive. Now, of course, the problem is, as, and again, as we said, Paul had difficulty, uh, even then in Galatians, he sh and, and we'll read it in a minute, about missing the grace of God, misunderstanding it. And he said, you know, when you have a real understanding of grace, when you have a real encounter with grace, these things will happen to you. What will happen? Um, Titus 2, 11 to 15, I think. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, it teaches us to say, no, to have godliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are is very eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. 
encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. See, what did he say? The grace of God teaches us purity. Um, there was a young girl and um, a friend said, let's go to this particular place. And she said, oh, I don't think she'll go there. And she said, oh, were you frightened? You frightened your dad? Your dad will chastise you. Your dad, your dad will hurt you. And uh, listen to what she said. No, I'm afraid I'll hurt my dad. See, there are things, um, the, Bible, the Bible says that you have liberty, but let me be careful. See, there's liberty that destroys you, destroys, and hurts the Lord. See, we don't do things because the Lord will strike us down. He could do, but he doesn't. We don't do it, or we do things because we want to please him. We don't want to hurt the Father's heart. That's grace. It teaches, what do you say? Purity, passion, purpose about other people. He said, you've got to have a different perception. Now you are looking for the coming of the Lord. So what that does is you don't put your roots down here. You don't invest in this life, you invest in an eternity. The grace of God touches our hearts and brings purity. That's why we don't want to hurt the Father. Why? Because he's bestowed grace upon us. Amazing. Because he's been gracious to us, uh, how dare, as Paul says, what are you talking about? No, no, how dare you? Sin about, no, grace much more abundant, but don't you persist in sin? In fact, it's telling me that you haven't had an encounter with grace as well. What about this? Do we uh, have to serve the Lord? Listen to what Paul said um, uh, when he received grace. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. I am the of the apostles, and not even deserve to be called an apostle. I have the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace in me was not without effect. No, I would have no more than See, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It was John Newton, uh, again, said, I'm not what I should be, but I'm not what I was. I'm not what I want to be, but I'm thankfully I'm not where I used to be. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Listen to what he said. I work harder than anyone else. Why? To get merit from God? No, 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 no. It's because God's grace has been put on me. Remember his testimony. I was a persecutor, a blasphemer, violent man. And because God extended his grace to me, I am just going to work for him with all my heart. And sometimes we forget how great our sin is. And, and I suppose, as that, I remember the, the, the prostitute who came. And because the Lord had forgiven her, her, her just worship, her adoration was so overwhelming that it, it, it embarrassed the Pharisees, didn't it? Embarrassed them, brought them to shame. And uh, he turned to the Pharisees and said, you know why? Because she realizes how much she's been forgiven. When you realize that, and of course, it, it, some of us have been saved when we were young, and we say, oh, I'm not too bad. Look, sin, by nature, by design, by attitude, forgiven. And the, the, when grace touches us, we want to please the Father. We want to have passion for the Father. Why? Because he's put his hand upon me, his grace upon me. Not just that, but what else? All from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. 7 to 10. It might not be clear on your paper. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me 
lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, the grace of the Lord gives us strength. Why? Because he know because it doesn't matter where we are, what circumstances we are, his favor is upon us. Why? Because we are his children. And Paul had had enough. Uh, with his thorn in the flesh, pain in the neck, some say spiritual. Could be, possibly. If you wanted me to push push me on something, I would say malaria. Because uh, malaria reoccurs. Um, especially in those days, no treatment. And it affects the eyes as well. When he complained about his eyes a few times after. So, possibly, but it's not really important what he, what, he, what he said. Lord, I've had enough of this. And the Lord said, don't worry about it. You're not taking it from you. But my grace is sufficient for you. See, in everything, God brings strength through his grace, his favor. And it stops us, doesn't it? It gives us great perception because now he says, listen to what he says, I take great joy. Dear Paul, careful now. In difficulties, in problems, persecutions. Why? Because I know when I'm weak, he is strong. And that's why, because the Bible, as we'll just read in a moment, uh, what grace does, it keeps us from being proud. Because as, as um, Ephesians says, how are you going to boast? What are you boasting about? Is a gift from God. It's grace. Yet even, you know, even in the church, so we, 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 can, we, can, and we elevate people. That is dangerous. We love to elevate uh, men and women and ministries. Now, we honor people. Of course, there's, there's a big between honor and elevating. And because of our human nature, we elevate people. And then sadly, when they do fall, occasionally, we obviously get the people we see, but many people, great men of God, that haven't fallen. Of course, it, it, it hurts us. Of course, it hurts us. But it can destroy some people because we've elevated people. And remember, without the grace of God, we are still sinners and fallen. So, grace of God brings strength, supply. Bless the Lord. Um, how about this? James 4, 6 to 10. And he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the power that shows favor to the emperor. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you says, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve more and wail. Change your laughter to mourning. He is rich in grace. Thankfully, he hasn't got a little bit. He's abundant in grace. Paul said he was abundant in grace. But what it does as well, the Bible says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what it does when we, we receive grace, there's a, there's a continual flow of grace because the Bible says he, he, the grace abounds to us. Remember, there's a flow. You see, what, um, if, if you look at the particular root word of grace, 
it links all these words. Gift, giving, joy, and rejoicing. So when grace hits us, generosity flows. 2, 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, out of the, the grace, they, they wanted to give even beyond what they could and they were poor, but they wanted to give. Why? Because grace... See, when you receive the grace of God, there's no, you want to give, you want to be generous. Why? Because God has been generous to you. Joy. What do we say? Joy expressed when grace received. How can we not rejoice and be joyful when we understand that the God of heaven has had his favor and his hand upon us and he's been gracious to us? And all those words are the same root word. That's why they produce. Grace produces those. And if they've not been produced, then we've got to say, Lord, have I really, have I forgotten? Have I, as we see in the middle of the verse, have I missed grace? Have I fallen away from grace? Have I dropped away from grace? Which is all possible to do. Have I just had a superficial touch of grace? Oh, help us, Lord. Why? Because as we just read, Romans 5, 17, uh, the abundance of grace and the gift of, of righteousness will make us, listen to this verse, reign in life. Not life driving you into the ground. If the life is driving you to the ground, God, get before the Lord and say, Lord, this is, pick up God's word. This is what the, that's what we meditate on God. For it is by the past, how much more will we receive abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness? We will reign in life through Jesus Christ. Bless the Lord. Dear circumstances, yeah, we, we, they come. They come sometimes in waves. But we have the throne of grace. Where we seek his grace. We put ourselves in the way of his grace. He says, you come before the throne of grace to find mercy and seek grace for time and help and time of need. We seek it. We pursue it. Why? Because uh, it is ours in him. But be careful that we don't miss the grace of God. Um, Hebrews 12. Bring every effort to live in peace with everyone who is holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble, trouble and defile man. See, see, where grace comes, um, it stops us um, becoming bitter. I'm missing, I'm becoming hard and cold. See, grace keeps us supple and humble and beyond bitterness. There was a story of uh, Spurgeon and um, in, in London at the time, there was another, uh, another man called Joseph Parker, again, a big church. And um, the trouble is, again, man, there was a little bit of uh, undercurrent between the two churches, Either way, and um, Parker once said um, that, uh, of course, Spurgeon ran, ran an orphanage as well. And, and they, Parker commented one day that, that the children going into Spurgeon's orphanage were in a poor condition, which is obviously true. They were going in. And, of course, that was twisted, as many do. Gossip always twists us. And that's why you never, never, ever, ever rise up when someone, oh, you knew what someone said about you. Nah, Look, get it around. But Spurgeon didn't do that. Spurgeon was told that um, his orphanage was in a poor condition and he didn't look after the kids. And he was tamping. And on the Sunday, from the pulpit, dangerous place to do it, he lambasted 
uh, Joseph Parker from the front of the church. How dare he say such a thing? Our orphanage is wonderful and all that. And it made the newspaper, sadly. It made the newspaper, because obviously at London at the time, they, had, they were big, big churches, influential churches, obviously, were doing orphanages and all those things. And Parker um, got up the next Sunday, and they were, they were reporters in the church, because they thought, he's going to have a go back now, isn't he? He's going to have a go back at, at Spurgeon. Um, and he got up and said, um, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in the pulpit today. And this is the Sunday that he usually takes an offering for the orphanage, his orphanage. Let me suggest today, he said, that we take a love offering here for that orphanage. The crowd were delighted. They had to send the, the people around three times. The plates were getting filled. Bless the Lord. Amen. That's another good offering, isn't it? For us. Then on Monday morning, Joseph Parker had a knock at his door. It was Spurgeon. He said, you have practiced grace, he said, to me. You have given me not what I deserved, but you've given me what I needed. See, power of grace, when it's received, there's a flow. The Bible says you sow and reap. In the middle of that sowing, reaping chapter 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he says, as you sow, you will reap. And God is able to give grace abounding you more and more so you'll be filled and full to flow in that grace. You see that as we go back to what our, our discipleship life is, where it's receiving, appropriation, remember? Don't, formation, letting it take effect in life and freely received and donation. As soon as we stop the flow... That'll stop. Once, once we, we stop giving away, stop, and it's all about giving in that instance, sowing and reaping, giving and giving. And um, the Lord said, um, and the God of all grace, 1 Peter 5, who called you to his eternal glory after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong and firm. To him be the power forever and ever. Thankfully, the Lord is with us to strengthen us in his grace or his grace to give us strength what does it do it brings when we really have an encounter with grace we become more sanctified that becomes that means becoming more like him less like the world less with our flesh there's great service we want to serve him of course we want to serve him. if someone has given us uh, that is mercy and grace like that who else are we wanting to serve Great strength in that. We begin to shine. We are selfless. Of course, it is the source of our pardon. It's his motive for the plan of salvation. And it's the guarantee of our protection and our provision and our preservation. Bless the Lord. Or that we will understand, again, grace. God is gracious. He's the God of grace. Thankfully, the Bible talks of the, uh, the, the Trinity. Jesus, full of grace and truth. God, the God of all grace. And in Hebrews 10, you'll find the spirit of grace. The whole Trinity wrapped in this uh, characteristic, this attribute of unmerited, undeserved favor. We often say, we used to say, grace. Remember this, you can write this one down. God's riches at Christ's expense. Acro is that an acronym? Is it? Is it um, 
That's a word for it. You know what I mean. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches. Purchase for us, but also you. Receive it. Receive it. What do we need tonight? Grace upon grace. Abounding in grace. Giving us strength to reign in life. Oh, dear, but you don't know this, this, and this. No, I don't know anything. But I know the grace of God. As Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you. I changed my perspective and my thinking. Oh, help us, Lord, we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.